But you know what? I thought you were mysterious like my mother until it turned out the mysterious just made depressed, all right? Hard to reach. I mean, I'm dying here. I don't like going out. You know that I get anxiety when I have to meet people. You know how hard that is. Everything you touch turns to shit! Like King Midas' idiot brother. Jesus. But if you two aren't the biggest pair of fuck-ups I've ever met in my entire life... Hello, friends. It's your old pal, Zach, from the greatest moments in the history of forever. These are strange and unprecedented times, aren't they? I don't need to bore you with all the details. We all know the deal. The world is at a standstill. The future is uncertain. And perhaps most importantly, the greatest moments in the history of forever is now on pause. That's right. Contrary to all of our big talk in the Vanilla Sky episode, there will be no... New episodes of the podcast for who knows how long. A month? Two months? The rest of 2020? Forever? We just don't know. I'm way too paranoid to leave my apartment, obviously, and I'm definitely not letting anyone else inside of it, including my co-host Matt. Social distancing, folks. I'm an old pro at it. I've been practicing it since at least 2010, maybe my whole life, really. However, in the meantime, I'm flying solo for some special lone wolf editions of give us a second our version of a mini show series a companion podcast to our main show this is our 37th in a row edition of give us a second operation shutdown volume one what does that mean well i don't know you just get bored sitting around not doing anything and this podcast has always been a fun outlet for matt and myself to be somewhat creative so here i am doing it alone how many volumes of this operation shutdown will there be again who knows maybe just this one (laughs) i will say that i briefly explored the possibility of using skype to keep the podcast rolling through these days of quarantine but i quickly realized it was something i just did not want to deal with like at all (laughs) we're not tech savvy people didn't look like it was that hard but i don't know i just kind of lost interest immediately when i was watching someone explain how to do it plus if matt and i try recording when we're not in the same room i'm sure we'll end up talking over each other more than we already do so it's best that we take this break we spend some time alone learn a little bit about ourselves (laughs) Right now, the podcast universe collectively weeping as they hear this. Flags being flown at half-mast. Elton John and Bernie Taupin once again changing the lyrics to Candle in the Wind. Goodbye, podcast nerds. Anyway, I'm alone, and isn't this what I've always wanted? Isn't this what the ass clowns have always wanted? Always demanded? A chance for me to really cut loose on my own? Say all the things I've wanted to say? No holds barred? No. I'm joking, of course. I'm sure the download number for this will be so abysmal that there won't be any more editions of Operation Shutdown. So, who knows? Hopefully this doesn't last all that long, but we're doing what we can, I guess, to stop the spread of this pandemic and flatten the curve and who knows what else. 
I mean, Matt and I aren't really the type to uh, go down on spring break like some of these Generation Z kids, <laughs> just ignoring the writing on the wall as far as this COVID-19 is concerned. But all joking aside about how much our audience will or will not enjoy this, I'd love to say that our show, The Greatest Moments in the History of Forever, will be back in time for One Trashy Summer in June. We would love to be able to do our second year of that. That would be fantastic. Maybe even before then, who knows? But the truth is, I don't really know. I don't know what the future is. Uh, It it changes daily, you know, the different estimates, what's going to happen in the summer. Who knows? This whole thing is such a bummer. Hopefully... Everyone out there listening to this is already practicing social distancing, staying home, washing their hands, coughing and sneezing into their elbows, all that fun stuff. Me, myself, I did a fucking fantasy baseball draft over the phone last night. It took three and a half hours for a season that probably won't happen anyway. That was torturous and probably the least fun fantasy baseball experience I've ever had. And that's really saying something. (laughs) Anyway... Hopefully we flatten this curve and we get through this thing together as fast as possible, come out on the other side, everything maybe can go back to normal, or at least some semblance of it. But since we're all in this together, we're all in quarantine basically, and all sports have been canceled, and all movie theaters are closed, and there really are limited options as far as entertainment, that means that streaming movies, Blu-rays... Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, etc., etc., have all gained some newfound significance in these trying times. You've got to pass that time somehow. So, for Operation Shutdown Volume 1, I thought I'd review three new films that I rented in the last few days. I'm going to try to keep these somewhat brief and relatively spoiler-free. However, I'll still give a general spoiler warning just in case... I'm not going to give away the endings of these movies or any specific twists or major plot points necessarily, but some details are probably going to be mentioned as I'm talking about them. So just know that going in. The first movie I rented, a little picture called Swallow, written and directed by Carlo Mirabella Davis, starring Haley Bennett. I make you happy? I'm the happiest man in the whole world. I feel so lucky. You're not mad at me? Mom, we're pregnant. About what? I just want to make sure I'm not doing anything wrong. You couldn't do anything wrong, even if you tried. So what did you do for money before you met my son? Retail, mostly. A lucky break. I'm just real grateful. Fake it till you make it. Are you happy? Or are you pretending?
how does it make you feel when you swallow something? I just like the textures in my mouth. Textures in my mouth. It made me feel in control. In control. Uh, I'm right here. I just wanted to make you happy. You get back here with my kid! I did something unexpected today. Swallow is about Hunter. That's the main character's name. A newly pregnant housewife who finds herself increasingly compelled to consume dangerous objects as her husband and his family tighten their control over her life. She must confront the dark secret behind her new obsession. So this movie is pretty fucked up. Is it as fucked up as I thought based on the trailer? No. So in that respect, it was a little disappointing. But it deals with a very real mental illness, an eating disorder called pica, which is defined as a psychological disorder characterized by an appetite for substances that are largely non-nutritive, such as ice, hair, paper, drywall or paint, sharp objects, metal, stones or soil, glass, feces, and chalk. Now, before you get too excited, she does not eat feces in this movie, so calm down. But she does eat some of these other things, and it's pretty gross and kind of hard to watch at times. However, one of my major complaints about the movie is I do think that tension-wise, the film peaks very soon, very early on, and it never quite lives up to it. I mean, there's a pretty big moment towards the end, but that is not as tense as her swallowing some of this shit, so a little bit of a letdown there. However, it's a movie of our times. It's about a woman essentially in isolation. She's kind of in a marriage where she's living in this very nice house by herself there's a coldness and distance in her relationship she doesn't seem to interact with anyone other than her husband and his parents and so it does play well to this quarantine time that we're in just all of this time alone and alone with your own thoughts i did see a review that compared swallow to the work of David Fincher, and I would agree that it is Fincher-esque in presentation. It's got this cold feel to it. It's very calculated, exceptionally well-framed, does not deliver top to bottom like David Fincher usually does, but it's a strong effort. The film is mostly about Hunter gaining or regaining control over both her body and life. I feel like it also touches on the lies that we all tell ourselves so that we can appear happy, the truth behind the idyllic life, the perfect marriage, the perfect house, having money, and sort of the cracks that can be underneath the the perfect facade. And I would be remiss if I didn't touch on Haley Bennett's performance, which is very good, very strong, and it's the type of performance that if this was with a different studio and was getting a whole theatrical run rather than the straight-to-VOD situation that it's in. And this film was straight-to-VOD, essentially, irregardless of the coronavirus situation and the closing of the theaters and all that stuff. So this was like a 
a six ninety nine rental on Vudu and Prime and all that stuff. So if this film would have gotten that theatrical run and had a lot of money behind it, Bennett's performance is the type that I think could earn a nomination at some of the award shows next year and be the thing that catapults her to the next level. I've always liked her since first becoming aware of her. I think I noticed her for the first time in The Girl on the Train, which is a few years old now, the movie with Emily Blunt, and I thought, okay, this this lady here, I like her. She's got a, a unique look. I'm thinking she's going to take that next big step, and as usual, I was completely wrong. <laughs> she didn't really follow it up with much that was a big deal, and she's kind of faded from my view, at least. I haven't really noticed her. And this is the type of thing that I was expecting from her, a movie that she essentially carries on her own. There are a few other people in it. Some of them you may recognize from other things, but she's by herself a big part of the film. She's having to deliver all of the emotions, the full emotional range of the character and everything. And it's a really strong performance. And hopefully it makes her a star and it gets some recognition. It's just... This is the craziest time for a fucking movie to come out. No one's going to really pay that much attention to things, even if we're all sitting at home. The news is just dominated by the coronavirus, and rightfully so. I'm not saying it shouldn't be, but you take a look at some of these movies, some of the ones that got pushed to VOD because of this and everything, and it just really seems that they're not getting their full attention and that it will probably hurt the legacy of the film a little bit if there was going to be any kind of extended discussion about it or potential for awards or whatever and you look at the hunt for example not to jump ahead i'm not reviewing the hunt i didn't see it but that's a movie that got delayed because of mass shootings and then donald trump tweets about it and it's got all this attention and you think man it maybe could parlay this into some big deal it finally comes out and it's in the middle of this coronavirus thing and then it kind of has to get pushed to straight to vod it's just a disastrous release for that movie so unlucky and then all these other movies just getting delayed and pushed back and it's really going to be interesting if this quarantine time and social distancing and all this other stuff extends for months and months i'm wondering what the oscars might look like next year (laughs) not a lot of choices maybe so my final grade for Swallow, I would say B plus, A minus, somewhere in that range. And we'll see how the rest of the year plays out. I like to grade things on a curve. So the best movies of the year will be A's probably no matter what. And then you go from there. But just on its own merit, I would say B plus, A minus. It's pretty suspenseful, pretty tense. I enjoyed it. I thought the performances were strong. So let's move on to another movie that I also enjoyed, The Invisible Man written and directed by Lee Wanell, starring Elizabeth Moss. As the attorney representing Adrian's trust, I'm required to read a prepared statement. Cecilia, although our relationship was far from perfect, I thought that you would talk to me rather than run away. Are you okay? What happened to him? He cut his wrists. Per his final wishes, you're getting $5 million. Contingent, of course, on the fine print. It can't be ruled to be mentally incompetent. It just doesn't make any sense. What? Adrian wouldn't kill himself. Listen, you're getting your freedom back, okay? 
Don't let them haunt you. Hello? I'm scared. You don't have to be scared of him anymore. He was a sociopath, completely in control of everything. He said that wherever I went, he would find me, walk right up to me, and I wouldn't be able to see him. Are you okay? Someone sitting in that chair. I found something that can prove what I'm experiencing. You need help. Adrian is dead. I went to his house today. He's not dead. I have a pile of ashes in a box that would disagree with you. He has figured out a way to be invisible. Only thing more brilliant than inventing something that makes you invisible is coming up with the perfect way to torture you, even in death. Adrian's true genius was how he got in people's heads. Don't come any closer. Hey! I'm not crazy. Please listen to me. You're saying the person trying to kill you is in the room right now, but we can't see him? He's listening. Where are you? Where are you? Show yourself! Come on! Do it! There you are. I referenced it a minute ago. The Invisible Man is part of Universal Studios' decision to put their in-theater movies onto VOD during this quarantine time at $19.99. The movies that made this jump were The Hunt, The Invisible Man, Emma, and Trolls World Tour. The only one of those four that I felt interested me enough to invest $20 was The Invisible Man, which I did. So let's give the synopsis. When Cecilia's abusive ex takes his own life and leaves her his fortune, she suspects his death was a hoax. As a series of coincidences turn lethal, Cecilia works to prove that she is being haunted by someone nobody can see. Okay, so... Let's start with some of the negatives, and then we'll work our way up. The movie is two hours and four minutes. Now, I will give it credit. It jumps into the story very quickly. It doesn't waste any time at the beginning. You're almost immediately into the story. It almost feels like a race. You're just rushing right into it. And for something like this, that's almost better. Don't dwell on things too long. We'll get it. We get the point. However... Even though it manages to do that, I still think it's 15 to 20 minutes too long. There's just not enough there, especially at the end. There are some baffling plot points throughout, and there are definitely some things that don't quite make sense logically. But these things don't really bog you down or ruin the experience because the fun scares throughout are effective. The movie does a great job of building tension with twists that keep you on your toes. Elizabeth Moss much like Haley Bennett in Swallow, is also excellent. I think we've almost gotten to the point where we take Elizabeth Moss for granted. She's such a strong actress. You know, maybe she hasn't had the recognition or success of somebody like a Meryl Streep, but at the same time, it's comparable in that you just kind of assume, okay, Elizabeth Moss is in this. She's going to be great. It's a very solid, well-crafted film. Definitely enjoyable. I could 
I, I watched this by myself because of the quarantine situation. However, I could see this being fun with crowds in a theater. And the ending's not perfect, but it works well enough. And again, I think I would put this in the B plus, A minus range. It was a pleasant surprise, as Matt's girlfriend Lindsay will tell you. When we saw this trailer, she was excited to see it, and then I shit all over it (laughs) and ruined everybody's fun by saying this trailer looked awful. And you know what? I stand by that. The trailer did not look good. I felt like it gave way too much away, and to a certain extent it did, but the movie surpassed what I got out of the trailer. And that's a testament to the quality of the film more than anything else. You know, sometimes trailers just don't do it justice. Most of the time, they make bad movies look good. Speaking of which, (laughs) speaking of disasters, that brings us to number three. This is a complicated movie to talk about, mostly because of the cast and the expectations for this podcast in particular. So I'm talking about a film called Lost Transmissions, written and directed by Catherine O'Brien, starring Simon Pegg, and two Greatest Moments favorites, Juno Temple and Alexandra Daddario. We should record some of your old songs. Really? I think you've got something. I already do. Come in. Are you receiving me, over? There's no music. You're the music. His debut album. You'll get a vinyl release. I love your stuff. I thought, this girl, you know my damage. This is a huge opportunity. I've got a line of songwriters down the hall trying to write for Dana Lee. Aaron wants me to write for Dana Lee. How cool. I just don't see you as just being like a cog in a big machine. Darren, I love her. I love her. I want her. Can I have her? You know, when a singer finds a writer they think sounds like them, they hang on for life. Come on, I want my next hit. Up here, listen really carefully. You can hear that transmission. They scare people. Don't scare me. That's nice. I like that. We've constructed like a whole made-up world, and it stops us from seeing everything how it really is. Stop thinking. What are you feeling? If you can put that into your work, then you're going to come up with something really great. You could not find another podcast on this planet with bigger fans, bigger supporters of Juno Temple and Alexander Daddario. This movie should have been a dream, a no-brainer. Even if the world hated it, it should have been quality to me. I love a lot of Juno Temple movies. I know that sounds like a weird sentence probably to most people. She's not really that big of a star, but I've always loved Juno Temple. And Alexander Daddario, I mean, it goes without saying. The greatest nude scene of all time in True Detective. Her movie career is not that great, but whatever. It's just not good. It's just not good at all. So here's the synopsis. When an acclaimed music producer goes off his medication for schizophrenia, his friends chase him through the L.A. music scene to help commit him to a psychiatric hospital, revealing the troubling inadequacies of our mental health care system. Supposedly based on a true story, I could not quite track down who it's based off of, and then I 
once I didn't see it in like two places, I kind of lost interest because I didn't really care because the movie's not really good enough to justify any more research. That description pretty much tells you that it's not going to be great. However, the trailer makes you think, well, maybe it's good. Maybe it's about the music industry. My illustrious co-host, Matt, sent me the trailer on Instagram and compared it to a trashy version of A Star is Born, which would definitely be right up our alley. And that is kind of how the trailer makes it seem. Not really. There's like some music stuff and some music recording and Juno Temple plays Hannah, a young singer-songwriter kind of on the verge or the periphery of the business who comes in contact with this producer, Theo Ross, played by Simon Pegg. And he's kind of helping her along at first, and they're recording some stuff. And then he, I guess, sends out her demo. I don't know. It's, it's kind of hard to even follow what's going on in the music aspect of it because that so becomes the background to the mental health stuff, which is just not that interesting. The film is boring at times. The friendship or connection between Hannah and Theo Ross It doesn't feel real or believable. You're not really sure why she gets so emotionally invested in this guy and was trying so hard to help him after the first few times are unsuccessful. I mean, I guess she's a good person, but you're just not quite buying her, not giving up at some point and being like, well, fuck it. (laughs) The characters in the film speak in exposition that sounds ridiculous and very awkward. I don't really want to go into specifics, but they just kind of reveal character details and backstory through their conversations in a way that doesn't feel organic. It's just poorly written. The final third of the film drags and borders on embarrassing at times. I feel bad for Juno Temple because it's definitely not her fault. She throws herself into this. She's actually pretty decent in it. There's a few parts where she has to kind of suffer through some embarrassing dialogue, but Uh, You know, I thought she was pretty good. Simon Pegg is good in it, too. The acting is not bad. It's just a bad script. The one highlight for me, though, is Daddario as a bleached blonde pop princess named Dana Lee who wants to bring Hannah on as her songwriter. She's only in three scenes in the entire movie, and they're not very long, either. She plays this terrible, self-centered, obnoxious character legitimately funny and still somehow more subtle and realistic in ways than the other characters i guess because the other characters are restricted to the need to service the plot above all else so they just are sucked into this schizophrenia storyline with theo and so they I don't know, they don't really necessarily feel like unique or or interesting people. You never really know that much about Hannah. She seems to have some sort of a history of mental illness as well that's hinted at, but you don't really know much about it. But Dana Lee and her relationship with Hannah, that would be a much better and entertaining movie. And I get that this is supposed to be some serious examination of mental health and it It makes America look bad in comparison to other countries, which is, I'm sure, true in all aspects of healthcare, especially mental healthcare. But it just doesn't make for that fun or interesting of a movie. And the end, like I said, oof, not great. My grade for this one, D+, not really worth it at all. Not really worth the $8.
Anyway, I don't know if all of these operations shut down entries into the greatest moments, the give us a second library are going to be movie reviews or what. I don't know if I'll do any more. It really just springs from the need to do something to keep the podcast feed alive. Also to give you guys, anybody who's out there listening, an update. There'll possibly be more if I feel inspired, but we're going to be back with the regular show as soon as possible, I hope. We had two really fun episodes planned that we were about to record. Two things that are right up our alley and I think could have made really fun episodes. So hopefully when we're able to record again and have everything rolling as usual, we'll start off with those two. As always, you can follow the show, and you know maybe I'll tweet out some updates on Twitter at Greatest Pod, Greatest Pod, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, iTunes, all those good things. We'll try to keep the feed rolling here. Hopefully, this doesn't go into like the summer or something. This is just the worst. But either way, we can get through this. Just generic motivational comments here. We can do it, guys. Come on. So thanks for listening. Thanks for sticking with us. And hopefully it'll be both Matt and myself talking to you soon. If not, maybe I'll do some more of these solo. Give us a second as we go along. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Bye. I can't stand the rain against my window. Bringing back sweet memories. Yeah, when the rain, do you remember how sweet it used to be? Mona Lisa, 
Did you order the champagne for the client party tonight? Did I order the what for the what, 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 what? What are you even talking about right now? Okay, we need to discuss your work habits. Okay, sure, but after I take a quick nap because ecstasy takes forever to leave my system. No, we're doing this now. You need to start putting in more of an effort and start respecting my authority around here. Or else what? Or else I'll fire you. What did you just say? I said, if you don't shape up, I'll fire you. Do you understand? You are so friggin' sexy right now, I could crap my pants. Ugh. <laughs>